Well, thank you so much, Ben. I'd invite you to grab a seat. And I'd love to welcome you along again to Beyond Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the communicators here. And we are so glad that you would take a little bit of time out of your uh, busy weekend to come and uh, join us tonight. Uh, As Emma said a little bit earlier, if you're joining us for the first time or the first time uh, in a while, we are in part two of a series that we're doing here at Beyond called Chatterbox. Now, in case you have no idea of the way a series works within a church context, really, we pick one big idea... And we drill down on it for a number of weeks and each week we'll talk about a specific uh, element or a specific angle or aspect of that big idea that we're talking about. And the big idea with, with this series, Chatterbox, is simply this, that our relationships rise and fall on communication. We know that, that in life, what, what makes a, a relationship really, really great or what can make a relationship really, really bad is this one word, communication. And last week, uh, if you were here, Josh, uh, one of our communicators, got up and Josh was talking about uh, where do the words we say come from? And he said that 2,000 years ago, Jesus actually taught that the words we we, uh, say and where the words we uh, say come from is not necessarily our head, but our heart. And it's what is within our heart that is the source of our words and the source of what comes out of our mouth. So if you want to have the best communication... If you want to have fantastic relationships and you need to address what is in your heart and the source of what is in your heart. And to help you begin that journey, to help you begin to unpack what is in your heart, we asked you a question. And we said for the next seven days, we want you to go and we want you to think about this question. And in case you uh, weren't with us last week, that's okay. You can just think about this for the day that's gone. You can apply this question just for the last 24 hours of your life. But the question we asked you is this. If you had to say everything that came into your mind for one week, what would you say? If every single thought that entered into your mind, you had to say it for the entire week, what would you say? And then we wanted to push you because we know how smart you are and we wanted to push you. And then we said, go a little bit further than that. Don't just, don't just take note of the words that come out of your mouth, what you say. Discover why it is you're saying it. The words that come out of your mouth, dig a little bit deeper and say, why is it? that I said that. And for those of you who were doing that, and for those of you who are maybe just thinking back over the last couple of hours, those words that came out of your mouth, maybe there were some really good things that came out. Maybe you thought to yourself, I had some really fantastic thoughts this week. And the reason that I had those, maybe, maybe the emotion was love. I really care for this person, they're, they're, my, they're my girlfriend, they're my boyfriend, they're my spouse, they're my best friend. I just, I just really care about them. Maybe that was why you said some of the things you said. Maybe another reason or another emotion was friendship. That was why you said some of the words that came out of your mouth. Then, then maybe there were some other things that came out of your mouth as well. And you're like, well, where did that come from? And you asked that why question. And you dug a little bit deeper. And you began to realize that maybe the reason I said that is because is I'm afraid. Maybe the reason I said that is because I'm insecure. And if that was you, if you've ever felt, found yourself saying something that came out of your mouth or came into your mind because you're insecure, you should come back next week. We're going to talk about that next week. Maybe for some of you, that you were like, well, why did I say that? And the answer was, well, that's a pride thing. That's an ego thing. We're going to wrap this series up in week four talking about that. Maybe for some of you, though, uh, you're a little bit like me. Uh, every Saturday, I, I coach a uh, football team. Uh, that my wife plays on and some of the girls here. And every week, I find myself saying some things to a particular official on the field 
Uh, it doesn't seem to matter what official or what week. It's just, this, just the, the referee. I just feel that I have to say some things. There are some things that come to my mind and I feel the need to say it. And maybe during the week you, you said some things and you reflect and you're like, the reason why I said it is because of this one word, anger. You got annoyed at something that happened and something maybe popped into your head and maybe you said it and you reflected and you said, the reason why I said that was because I was angry. But here's, here's the thing, right? Most of the time, when, when you're in a, in a group or when you're in a, a setting with friends or when you're out, you can tell when someone's angry. You can tell when they haven't had a bad day, when they're grumpy, when they're ag- agitated. In fact, you can tell when you're angry. But isn't it really odd that one person can do the exact same thing to you and in one case you get angry and in one you don't? And you have no idea why. You think, why is it that they did or said the exact same thing? But in this case, I got angry. And in this case, it didn't bother me. And the question I want to drill down on a little bit tonight is simply this, is, is what causes us to be angry? I mean, what is it that rises up inside of us that we start feeling and it starts in our chest and starts to burn up the back of your throat? What is it that makes us clench our fists and maybe shake a little bit. What is it that causes us to be angry? And if we're, if we're really, really honest, if we're really, really honest, I think this is the simplest, simplest answer I could possibly give to what causes us to be angry. And the simplest answer I could give to what causes us to be angry is simply this, that anger is a result of not getting what we want. I mean, you think about it. You think about it when you're at school, and you were studying really, really hard for that test, and you got the practice test, and you did, it, you did the practice test this time. You went over all the revision sheets, and then you got into the exam. And all of a sudden, the first question wasn't on the revision sheet. And the second question wasn't on it at all. And all of a sudden, you're angry. You're mad. Because what you thought you were revising wasn't what you were revising in the first place. You wanted what was on the revision sheet to be on the test, and it wasn't. So you got angry, because you didn't get what you wanted. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you're in a, you've been in a relationship and you thought this relationship was the one. Oh, he's so dreamy. She's got great hair or some perfume or whatever it is. They're incredible. And then all of a sudden, maybe you find out that she's been texting your best friend behind your back. Or you find out that he's been on a date with your best friend. And all of a sudden, you're angry because you thought this relationship was the one. You thought this relationship was, what was gonna, where you were going to land for the rest of your life and you're angry because you wanted this to last and then all of a sudden it's not. Or maybe you had that opportunity to get in that university course or to get that promotion at work and you've been working so hard towards it. And then all of a sudden you didn't go to the right school or, or you didn't shake hands or you didn't know the right people and you didn't get that promotion and someone else got it and you know they didn't work half as hard as you did. You deserve it, right? And what we end up saying and what really we really say when we get angry is that essentially somebody owes you, Right? Somebody owes you. Somebody owes you. Somebody owes me. You didn't get the grade. That teacher owes you those questions. They owe you a redo. You invested your time into that relationship and the rug was ripped out from underneath you. They owe you that time back. Somebody got that job over you. Your boss owes you all those extra hours that you put in. QTAC owes you all those extra hours you spent studying just so they could rip it out from underneath you. And the problem with our anger 
is that if we don't address it, it builds up over time. And all of a sudden, somebody owing us turns into the idea that we use our anger not to explain our behaviour, but to justify it. Have you ever met a really, really angry person? Maybe you've been that angry person. And when you ask them why they're angry, the first sentence usually starts off, well, he said, well, she said, well, they did, well, they didn't. And then a couple of sentences in, all of a sudden, they're not explaining why they're angry, but they're justifying the way they're treating these people. Well, see, I can treat them that way because I deserve that promotion, they didn't give it to me. I'm just going to skimp a little bit of money on the side because, because they're not paying me what, what they're paying my, my co-worker and I should really be getting that. So what does it matter if I steal a little bit out of the till? They owe me. And then all of a sudden you start to use your anger not to explain your behavior, but to justify it. To justify why you're right in saying those things about those, that person behind their back, or like trying to block them, trying to tear their relationships up, trying to tear their friendships up. And all of a sudden... We feel like we're justified in doing that. And you know people like this. And chances are, you know someone who's like this, and they didn't deal with their anger, and now you don't know that person so well anymore. Because you chose to remove yourself from that friendship. You chose to step away because you were sick of hearing about it all the time. Every single week, it was the same thing, and it was just another excuse or another reason to justify why they were angry. Maybe even you try to talk to them about it, but they just would not listen. And so at the end of the day, you said, I'm done. And maybe there are some of you who are sitting here tonight, and for, for you, this is really, really raw. And you're arguing with me in your head, and you're thinking to yourself, how dare you? How dare you tell me that my anger is not justified? How dare you tell me that what he said or what she said or what that my boss did or what my teacher did, how dare you say that I am not justified? And I'm not saying you don't have a good reason to be angry. But what I, what I want to really press you on a little bit if I can, what I, want you to, what I want to get you to think about if I can is simply this. How long, how long do you intend to continue letting someone that you don't like, someone who may not even be in your life anymore, perhaps someone who's maybe even passed away and no longer lives, how long are you going to let someone like that control your life? How long are you going to let someone like that, because of the anger you hold on to, make you push people away, make you change the way that you view the world, make you change the way that you interact on certain circumstances? So the thing is, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to be so angry that you let someone else control the way that you think about the world, the way that you behave, the way that you act, and the way that you feel. But in order to get over that, in order to move past our anger, we need to ask a simple question. The simple question is, what is the remedy to anger? What is the remedy to anger? And we're going to discover that the remedy to anger tonight is, is probably not what you thought. And it's probably not what I thought originally. And we find, we get a glimpse into what the remedy to anger is through the words of a man who used to be, by, by self-confession, a very, very angry person. His name was Saul. And, and, and uh, people wrote about Saul and they said he breathed hatred and anger towards Christians. He hated Christians so much and he was so angry towards Christians that he actually went out and killed them. He was on a one-man crusade to rid the planet of any Christians that ever existed. 
And then he had an encounter that radically changed his life and he actually became a follower of Jesus. And he started these, all these little churches around the Mediterranean Rim and, and one day, when he had gone from hating Christians to actually being imprisoned for being a Christian, he was imprisoned in Rome, he wrote a letter to one of the churches that he started. And in this letter, this man who breathed hatred against Christians gives us a glimpse into how we can overcome our own anger. And he says this, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as other types of behaviour. And some of you are probably like, well, duh, that's pretty obvious, that seems to just be what anger is. How do we move past it, Paul? And he says this, instead of in this, holding on to this anger, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Paul says the way to overcome your anger is not to just look someone in the eye and say, get over it. The way to overcome your anger is not to forget about it. The way to overcome your anger is not just to be happy. The way to move past your anger, the only remedy to your anger is forgiveness. Now, if you're like me, that statement raises a whole heap of questions. Uh, Paul, what what does it mean just as? What does it mean just as God through Christ forgave the world? What does it mean to forgive that way? Paul, what about my situation? What about my situation? Because maybe my situation would be the exception If you knew my situation, maybe I wouldn't have to use forgiveness to overcome my anger. Maybe I could just use payback or something like that. And, (coughs) excuse me, and the remedy to our anger, and the good thing about this, is that we actually have access to what it means to forgive just as Jesus forgave. Because anger is not a new emotion. It's been around since humans have been around. And one day, one of Jesus's followers, one of his 12 disciples, Peter, he actually goes up to Jesus and he actually asks Jesus about this idea of what does it mean to forgive? And we're going to get a glimpse tonight into that discussion. I want to bring you into it right now. And, and Peter asks this, he says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? In other words, Peter's been hanging out with Jesus and he knows he's, he's, he's wising up. He's wising up and he's saying, look, I know, Jesus, that you're about forgiveness. But let's be honest, come on. When is enough enough? When does it get to a point that I should stop forgiving them? How many times do you reckon? Peter's like, oh, maybe three, maybe four. No, Peter's pretty generous. Peter says up to seven times. Two would have been the cultural norm, but, 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 um, but Peter doubles it and then adds a little bit or triples it and adds a little bit. He says seven times. Is that okay? And this is Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And then to kind of bring Peter into to what he's trying to explain, he, paints, he, he tells a story. He goes, here's what I mean when I'm talking about forgiving 77 times, Peter, because it's not a number. It's not a number. Really, this idea of 77 compared to seven is this idea that you should forgive more than you think you should forgive. And so Jesus tells the story to illustrate this point, and he starts it out, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. It's not like this, but, it, but here's a little bit of a picture. Let me paint a picture for you about what heaven is like, and specifically what forgiveness is like. So this, this, there was this master, and he had these servants, and he wanted to settle the accounts, get all squared away, get the balances paid, it was the end of financial year, whatever his reason. 
And he goes on, he says, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. This is someone he employed, owed him 10,000 bags of gold, and he comes in. Since he was not able to pay the master, uh, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, we might look on that and be like, that's kind of barbaric, but this was really customary in that day. If you, if you were a master slave and, and really you're employed by the master and you had a debt that you couldn't pay, the master kind of said, well, I'm just going to sell everything that you have to at least settle my accounts. Kind of like the bank today when they repo your house, if you can't like, make the payments. The bank just says, I'll just take whatever I can get. I might not get all of it back, but at least I'll get a little bit back. And the master was never going to get anything back, but he thought to himself, a little bit of repayment is better than no repayment, right? And this is how the servant responded when he, when he was given this ultimatum. He says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. And he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back now, there is no way that the servant could have paid back everything. The, ma- the master would have probably, yeah, right, I pay you. I know how much you get. There is no way you're making 10,000 bags of gold, even if you work every single hour of every single day for the rest of your life. That's just not happening. But this is what the master does, knowing that. He says, the servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. And in that sentence, we get a glimpse into what exactly forgiveness is viewed through the lens of Jesus. And Jesus says that forgiveness is the decision to cancel a debt. Forgiveness is not the decision to get over it. Forgiveness is not the decision to make them pay back what they can and to hold it over their head. Jesus says, no, no, no. Forgiveness is the decision, not the feeling, but the decision to cancel a debt, to say, you don't owe me anything anymore. But the story goes on. It says, but when the servant went out, so the servant who had been forgiven went back and, and he found one of his fellow servants, so another one of his co-workers, who owed him a hundred silver coins. So small in comparison. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He's just been forgiven. A huge debt and he, and he wants payback. And his fellow servants... Uh, servant fell on his knees and he begged him, he says, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. This is a debt that that his fellow servant could have easily paid back. He would have easily been able to pay this back. He says, please be patient, just give me a little bit of time. And the response is not what we would expect from someone who had just been forgiven a massive debt, because this is his response. He says, but he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay Now, you can imagine what something like this would elicit or what would happen as a result of this if you were one of the servants. Because you'd be like, hang on, isn't that the servant that just was forgiven the the massive debt? And so all the other servants saw this happen, so they went back and it says, uh, when the other servants saw what had happened, they went and what they did was they, uh, the outrage, they went and told their master everything that had happened. So they saw this injustice, they said, that's not right, and they went and told the master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant um, in. So in other words, the servant that had thrown the other guy in jail calls him and he goes, hey, we need to have a word. And he says, you wicked servant, I cancelled all of your debt. I made a decision 
to, to not remember that debt anymore. I made a decision to move past it. He says, um, because you begged me to. In other words, I did it because you begged. I moved past it because you begged. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And everyone who saw this conversation taking place, all the fellow servants would have been like, yep, you really should have. You should have treated him the same way. Everyone's nodding their head. No one's like, no. Everyone's like, yeah. And then this is what happened. It says, in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And we know that he couldn't possibly pay it all back. The rest of his life, he was going to spend in jail. And if the story finished there, it would kind of make sense, right? At least there was some, like, at least someone got what they finally deserved. But so often with Jesus, he, he paints this whole picture and we're tracking with him so well, like, yes, I buy into that. Yes, I get that. And then just at the end, he twists it. And in one sentence, Jesus turns the entire story on his head. And he comes out of the story and he talks to Peter and the 12 disciples that are there, the followers of Jesus, and he says, hey, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and your sister from the heart. In other words, Jesus, this, this story they've been tracking with so long, so well, he turns to his, his guys and he says, now I've got an ultimatum for you. Unless you forgive the same way that the... the unless you forgive, unless you cancel the debt of the 10,000 gold, unless you forgive anyone who sins against you, then you'll suffer the same fate as the servant who was thrown into jail for not forgiving the small and maybe some of you are sitting there and you're like, hang on a minute, you mean, you mean someone has done something to me? You mean someone owes me something and I'm supposed to forgive them? I'm the victim. I shouldn't have to forgive. I shouldn't have to move past my anger. I sh- I'm justified in holding on to my anger. I don't, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus guy to give me an ultimatum like that? And if that's you, I, I totally get it. But maybe, maybe the reason that Jesus is so harsh in his ultimatum is because he knows the consequences of not forgiving are so harsh. Maybe the reason that Jesus is so harsh is because he wants to ram home the point that, hey, if you don't forgive a payment that is owed against you, ultimately, it will be you that pays. Ultimately, you'll be the one harboring that bitterness and resentment. Ultimately, you'll be the one who pushes people away. Ultimately, you'll be the one who can't get out of a prison that you've created for yourself. And and if our experience and if your experiences of anger is the same as my experience with anger, and your experience with a lack of forgiveness is is the same as my experience with a lack of forgiveness, then Jesus' response is not really exaggerated. In fact, it's exactly what we would expect of someone who came on a mission to rescue humanity. And Peter, who asked the initial question, probably would not have grasped the enormity of Jesus' decision to cancel the debt that the world owed until a couple of months later. And he saw Jesus hanging on a cross, dying for a crime that he didn't commit, to pay the debt for my sin and for your sin. And Peter would have been looking at that, and in that moment, the cross 
He saw what the, what, what the cost was for God to forgive you and for God to forgive me. Because the cost for God to forgive us our debt was his own life. And the cost for you and I to forgive is very rarely more than our pride. And it makes sense what Paul said originally, right? Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And what Paul is saying there is just as Christ. Paul, what Paul is saying is if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not called to treat people the way that you expect to be treated. You are called to treat people the way your heavenly Father treated you. You are not called to forgive people who deserve your forgiveness. You are called to forgive people the way your heavenly Father forgave you, by cancelling the debt without any demand of payback at all. And it costs Jesus his life, and for us it costs us little more than our pride. And I understand that some of you are sitting there and you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds great in theory. Sounds fantastic to do it just as Jesus. But, but what happens when it comes to my, my real world experience? How do, I, how do I move past that situation? How do I move past that anger? How do I even begin to think about forgiveness? And we have this thing here at Beyond, it's called a Four Monday. Because we believe whether, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, if you come in the doors of this community, that you should take something away with you that's helpful for the rest of your week. And, and this is not a step-by-step guide. This is a process. It's got numbers because I think there's an order you should go about this in. But just know this is more than a process and a step-by-step guide because there is a, a process and there is a way to forget, begin to overcome your anger, to remedy it with forgiveness and to forgive just as Jesus has forgiven you. And there's four elements to this process. The first is I want you to identify who it is you're angry with. Who are you angry with? Write it down. What person or people or group of people, who are you angry with? Because here's the thing, cancelling a debt is not the same as putting your fingers in your ears and being la 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 la, I forget, it's too much noise. Cancelling a debt is not the same as forgetting. In order to cancel a debt, you first have to know what the debt is and who owes you the debt. And then secondly, I want you to determine what they owe you. Now, now this is the part where we're kind of like, well, uh, and we just kind of be like, well, I just generally forgive them. But general forgiveness doesn't heal specific hurts. You need to be, you need to be very specific about what this person owes you. Determine, do they owe you time back? Do they owe you a relationship back? Do they owe you money back? Do they owe you your reputation back? Do they owe you your innocence back, your purity back? What do they owe you? Do they owe you coming to your, your sporting games when you were a kid? Do they owe you coming to your musical recitals? What do they owe you? Do they, do they owe you a second chance? Do they owe you a fair go? What is it that they owe you? And then this is the third thing I want you to do. And this is, this is, this is the second most difficult. The, the fourth one is the most difficult. But this, this is the, the second most difficult. I want you to cancel it. I want you to cancel the debt. Whatever you have to do, to allow yourself to cancel it, I want you to do it. Whether that's write it down on a piece of paper, who they are and what they owe you, or maybe it's just throw it in the trash can. Maybe it's to climb the, the biggest mountain you can find, make it into a paper airplane and send it off the edge. Maybe if you're a little bit of a pyro, maybe it's to burn it. You get to have fun and you burn it at the same time. I don't know. 
But whatever you need to do, you need to cancel the debt. And some people say, hey, should I, should I tell the person that I'm canceling the debt with? Like, that's not necessary. Because half the time they might not even know that they had a debt that they owed you. Because this forgiveness is, is about you and, and how it sets you free and I free when we move past it. So you just need to cancel the debt. And then here's the fourth part or element of the process, and this is the most difficult. You need to make a decision to dismiss the case. Because once you've cancelled it, once you've moved on, there will be times in your life where someone does something and that memory comes flooding back. And when that memory comes flooding back, you'll be tempted to reopen the casebook and say, hey, hey, remember, remember when you did this? And you'd already made a decision to cancel it, but then, then they, they brought it up again or something happened again. So you reopen the case. And what I want you to do is I want you to dismiss it completely. I don't want you to forget about it, but I want you to know that when your memories and when those memories and those feelings start to come up, know that they are just memories. To put it in a really pithy way, your memories are not your enemies. They're simply memories. And when those memories come up, you have an option. You can either say, no, I've cut that case, I've, I've dismissed it, I've cancelled the debt, or you can make a decision to bring it up again and reopen the case. But when you reopen it, it will only hurt you. And I understand that for some of you, you're sitting here and you're like, oh, Chris, this is really, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know, I don't know, it's difficult, you don't understand my situation, it's true, I don't. But I know how hard and how difficult this process is. Because I've done it myself. And the thing is, although it might be difficult to embark on this process, let's, let's be honest for a second, let's be really honest. What's your alternative? To harbour it around for the rest of your life? To allow it to affect your mood? To allow it to consume your thoughts? To allow it to impact on the relationships that you have today? Because let, let's be honest, let's be honest. Some of the things that people owe you and you feel like people owe you, there's no way they can pay them back anyway. How can someone pay back the fact that they were absent from your childhood? How can someone pay back the fact that they didn't turn up on time and they, they, they left you at the altar or, or they, didn't, they didn't know about it and so they, or they uh, took that money away from you and then they spent it? How can someone pay back something like time? How can someone pay back something like relationships? How can someone possibly pay back something like that? And, and you know, do you know that they can't give you back your reputation? You know that they can't give you back your innocence. You know it's not physically possible for them to give back your time. And so although it may be difficult to begin the process, you know that the payback you're going to get is not, is impossible anyway. So the best thing to do is to begin the process of forgiveness. Identify who you're angry with. Determine what you think they owe you. Cancel the debt, whatever way you need to. And then make a decision to dismiss the case. Because forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision to cancel the debt. And just because I know that some of you are here tonight and some of you are maybe like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm there but I'm not quite there. I want to get you over the line tonight. I, wanna, I want you to leave tonight knowing the process of forgiveness. And so we've done a couple of things. First of all, um, I want to I help you remember it. And so on our Instagram uh, tonight, Beyond Church AU, there will be, uh, and, and on our Facebook maybe as well, but definitely on our Instagram, we have created this uh, process of forgiveness as a screensaver that you can snapshot, and so you can have it on your phone. And so when you're challenged to reopen the case, 
you can close it again. You can push the memories to the side. And when you forget what's the next step, how do I go about it, it'll be there for you this week So as a reminder to help you. But when you, when you begin this process, when you begin to forgive and when you begin to realise that a debt has been, has been cancelled, that your heavenly Father looked at your life and looked at my life and cancelled every debt that we have, often the first question we begin to ask is, well, how do I fix it? Because a great debt has been forgiven me, so how do I, how do I fix it? But if you're still not quite there, I want to leave you with this. And as I leave you with this thought, the band's going to come back up, but it's this. It's in the shadow of my hurt, in the shadow of what makes you angry, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy, the person who hurt you, the person that owes you. But in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of forgiving just as Jesus has forgiven you, forgiveness is just merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And ultimately, forgiveness is the gift that ensures that your freedom from a prison of bitterness and resentment and allows you to have the best relationships moving forward. So this week, identify who you're angry with, identify what they are, you cancel the debt and dismiss the case. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, there are so many memories that can be dredged up tonight. So many past hurts and maybe some hurts that are fresh in our memories as well. And it's difficult But Lord, we thank you for the words that have been preserved throughout history, those teachings of Jesus, that remind us that when we're tempted to reopen the case, that we need to remember just exactly what our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. That as followers of Jesus, we're not called to forgive because someone's deserved it. We're called to forgive because our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. So Lord, tonight I pray that for anyone on the fence, for anyone who's been wrestling with that anger, that they would, they would move, begin to, to apply that process and begin to move past it. Because ultimately, by holding on to that anger, the only person that hurts is them. The only relationships that hurts is theirs. And we know that you don't want that for them and you don't want that for us, Lord. And so we thank you for the words of Jesus and we thank you for the, the forgiveness that his death won on the cross when you cancelled our debt. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.